Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. You're listening to the Irish Times Inside Politics podcast. Hello and you're very welcome to Inside Politics, the regular politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan and with me in studio today are political editor Pat Leahy. We'll be considering uh, an organisation which is celebrating its first anniversary in government this week. That's the Independent Alliance, which, along with a couple of other independents, is now a fully functioning member of the Irish government. How's it doing and uh, is it a more significant organisation than perhaps we expected a year ago? Yeah, certainly. I think that um, tomorrow, uh, May the 6th, marks uh, one year in office for this government. And this government is very unusual in uh, in a couple of respects. It's the first time that such a partnership between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael uh, has, uh, with Fianna Fáil obviously in opposition, but having entered into a confidence and supply agreement with the government that enables them to govern. But I suppose what we're talking about today is that it's unusual in that uh, the coalition partner of Fine Gael uh, in this is not a party, but a collection of independents. There is the independent alliance and uh, they obviously conducted their press conference in government buildings yesterday to mark the event and also other uh, uh, two other independents that are uh, that are in cabinet Catherine Zapone and uh, and Dennis Nocton and the independent alliance itself is a fairly loose confederation although it does have some principles that it it purports to adhere to they they were adamant when the thing was being set up it was principally the brainchild of Shane Ross and uh, and and Finney and McGrath who with some considerable degree of political prescience, during 2015, saw that the Dáil arithmetic after the uh, the then impending election, which took place, as we know, in 2016, they foresaw, foresaw that the Dáil arithmetic might create an opening for a group of independents to hold the balance of power and to become part of that government. And they prepared for that, they recruited with that in mind, and they negotiated then uh, on that basis after the February general election threw up precisely uh, that uh, that mathematical, uh, the, the mathematical circumstances in the doll that they had envisaged. Um, and just before we started recording this podcast, you handed me very kindly the principles and priorities of the Independent Alliance to, to refresh my memory. Of course, I, I knew them off by heart last year, but they've, I've let them lapse. In the, in Did the, you ever in, get in the, the last, tattoo of in the them? last no. few weeks? Well, it's maybe a little too early in the day to show you that. But um, they're quite impressive in an extremely vague kind of a way. Uh, let me just run very quickly through them. Number one, strip politicians of power to make political appointments. Well, that has been a bone of slight political. Uh, they have certainly the made. Uh, significant movements in that regard a lot of uh, a lot of attention has focused 
on the power to appoint judges and there is legislation which has been promised for the last six months but which we are now told uh, will appear uh, or at least the heads of the bill will will appear in the next two weeks enabling um, uh, uh, you know enabling it to move to the next stage I have my doubts that the bill will ever be uh, will ever be passed for two reasons one I think there is significant institutional opposition within both the Department of Justice and the Judiciary to it. And secondly, uh, as of now, Fianna Fáil will not support it and that means uh, it will not uh, it will not pass right. in the well, door. But so open-ended, it's a work in progress, they have at least been making attempts. And other, to, and other appointments, the, the procedure for other appointments has been uh, has been reformed. That is number, true. So. Number two, radical revival of rural Ireland, save declining communities. That's not something you're going to do in 12 months. No, there is a, uh, the government's published a uh, strategy for rural Ireland, but it is very much uh, a collection of previously announced initiatives you know there is I, I suppose if you were to take if you ask people in rural Ireland you know what is their priority obviously you get lots and lots of different answers but one thing an awful lot of people would say to you is the extension of broadband to rural areas that's a difficult business and there is a plan being drawing up there is money has been set, uh, money has been set aside for it Dennis Nocton says that 300,000 rural homes be connected over the next um, uh, over the next I think 18 months um, so work is on going on that. It is building on the work that had previously been done, but has there been a complete transformation of rural Ireland in regard to that or any other issue, you'd have to say no. Well, I think it would be, I would have been extremely surprised, to be honest, if, if, if there had been under under any government. Anyway, number three, no party whip, revolution, not token reform. It's getting quite uh, soapboxy now. No revolution, not token reform in workings of uh, Dáil Éireann is needed. Um, actually, on that point, let me just run a clip from the Independent Alliance birthday bash uh, yesterday because Shane Ross was sort of speaking on this theme. The, i just sum up by saying a few things which I've experienced in the last year. And, you know, we've just come from the Doyle where the, there's been a free vote. Uh, and three members of the Independent Alliance voted one way and two members of the Independent Alliance voted another way. That's something which people are going to have to get used to because that's the ethos on which we stood and will continue to stand. That we don't actually whip people into thinking one way or voting one way. And in fact, the Doyle itself, and who would have thought this time last year that the Doyle would be occupied by a government which is constantly being defeated in votes? That's a good thing. And it's time people realise that's a good thing. The Doyle is actually working in a new and far more democratic way. It may mean that legislation isn't rammed through with the speed it was in the past, but it does mean that the will of the Doyle is actually being obeyed and that government is working in a different way, which I think we have a large amount to do with. Many would beg to disagree with the point being made by Shane Ross there, including Noel Whelan in this morning's Irish Times and indeed our own political correspondents in our own podcast a couple of days ago, our weekly politics podcast, um, because they say that the doll isn't working and that as a legislative assembly, it's ground almost to a halt. Well, it is true that the, uh, as, as Noel and others have pointed out, that the record of legislating this doll has been extremely slow compared to others. And that's for the simple majority that the, uh, gov- uh, for the simple reason that the government doesn't have a majority. It cannot impose its will on, uh, on the les- legislature. I think that there has been some progress. And Shane Ross is right when he says, uh, you know, that the whip, uh, you know, that there are free votes uh, in the doll. There are on some things. 
like other parliaments, whereas previously the experience had been in the Irish Parliament that there was a whip on everything and the government, uh, you know, the government utterly ruled the roost when it came to the doll. That grip has been loose, uh, has been loosened. And in some respects, I think that has been a good thing. But I think it would be a stretch to say, whereas while the power of the executive has receded, that the power of the doll has come to fill the gap in a constructive way, at least not in relation to many things. Uh, Shane Ross thinks, uh, according to that clip there, thinks it's a good thing that the government is defeated all the time uh, in the doll. A rather quixotic view for a member of the government um, uh, to, uh, to have. But leave that aside for a moment. My real problem, I think, with his analysis is when he says... That the will of the, is that the will of the doll has to be obeyed. There isn't a single discernible will of the doll. What there is is an increasingly factionalized doll that squabbles over everything and, uh, and the ability of the doll to express a single will on, uh, on matters, it seems to me, hasn't come forth to replace that loss of power by the be- executive. Because if it were the case that the doll were an, an august assembly to which great matters of state were brought and it deliberated and then it came to a decision in the best interests of the nation, nobody could argue with that. That has tended not to be what has happened. Rather, what has happened is that the opposition brings forward uh, bills, the uh, government knows it cannot defeat them, so it accepts them. They go to second stage, and there they sit, a mouldering uh, in the uh, in 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 the larder of parliamentary procedure. And similarly, the government cannot impose, uh, cannot bring through its own legislation. So one hears of civil servants who are extremely reluctant to uh, to. Uh, to have their ministers bring forward legislation uh, in their departments because they're afraid it will be amended out of all recognition by a doll that the government uh, that the government does not control. So you know, I think one of the criticisms that was constantly made of our political system uh, previous uh, to this doll was that government was too strong and Parliament was too weak, and that therefore Parliament didn't. Uh, fulfill its classic role as a, a check and a balance on the power of the executive. Um, I think it would be fair to say at this stage, uh, uh, a year uh, after the formation of this government, that the uh, pendulum has swung very much in the other direction to no great productive result mm-hmm. so that the uh, Parliament has not, I think, as I said earlier, I don't think Parliament has filled the gap left by the diminishing of executive power. I say one more thing on, uh, on, on, on that, and that's that this is a very novel arrangement for Irish politics. It was always going to take some time to get used to it. And it may be that the first couple of times we try this, it doesn't really work. But after that, we get used to it and our political system and our politicians and our media and our public become more accustomed and work sure. this uh, and, and work this become, system And we all better. become more like the Scandinavians or wherever it is we're supposed to Very be possible. like. But, but um, let's just take another clip. This is Kevin Boxer-Moore. I have to be honest with you. People says to me, uh, uh, why did you go into government with Fine Why did you go in with uh, uh, Taoiseach Andy Kenny? And I made it clear to him at the time that, and I, I told this to Taoiseach himself, I probably would have gone up here to government. I probably said I would never have gone into government. I, I said I couldn't work with the man. But since I come in 
Milner. I've become a very close friend of his, and likewise he's me, and I have to say he's treated me with the height respect, as likewise would I am. Now that's a heartwarming story. Um, it's it it it. it it's revealing in a couple of different ways, Pat, it seems to me. One is that um, Kevin Boxmoran had little or no intention of going into government. Did he even envisage going into government? Did he think it was likely when he was out, when he decided to run in the first place? Um, he maybe had to be coaxed into it. And the second one is that, you know, relationships have turned out pretty well. Relationships between some of them have uh, turned out pretty well. And, uh, you know, Shane Ross made reference earlier to shaky times at the beginning uh, for this government. That's undoubtedly true. It was due to a number of reasons, sticky personal relationships, particularly between Shane Ross and uh, the Taoiseach. You may recall that uh, Shane Ross had referred to the Taoiseach as a political corpse during the talks that uh, presaged the formation of the government, which is not the sort of thing that Enda Kenny forgets uh, in a hurry. But by and large, they have... Uh, they have striven to make it work only because uh, it was in their interests to do so and also because it's, I think, it's kind of a, it's a factor of human nature and politics is human nature and the facts and the mores of human relationships play a bigger part in politics, particularly at government level, than we sometimes realise. So you find yourself in the room with people, you you get to know them, you get to see their side of the argument. That's right. So before the meeting, we have a cup of tea and there's a bit of chit-chat. That's how relationships are formed. That's how people bond with one another. And that process has has happened. That happens actually in all coalition governments. I think the Independent Alliance consciously resisted it at first. These were people, after all, who had been outsiders for their entire higher political lives and were suddenly insiders. And I think Shane Ross would admit himself that it took him some time to psychologically adapt to that status and also to simply learn the ways of government and to learn the big truth of government, which is that you will end up being unpopular sooner or later because the decisions you are called to make in your executive function are often not between good and bad as you used to see it when you were in opposition, but between bad and worse. And that's the can often be the challenge, particularly for independents who, who very often find that, have found themselves for most, if not all, of their careers in, in perpetual opposition. I want to go back to these principles because they get even more intriguing as they go along. Number four, bankers, if no reform, no privatisation. Not actually a sentence uh, there, but I think we kind of get the gist of the meaning of it. What have the Independent Alliance done about the banks? That, Moving that, that, on that science, to number five. That, that <laughs> science is the science of a man whose brains are being racked. Certainly, the cabinet has approved to sell a chunk of AIB. I'm not aware of any enormous reforms having been forced. Michael Noonan isn't running AIB. scared of the Independent Alliance in terms of the way he's running the shop there, no? Not to my... Uh, not okay, not, okay. Well, we'll, my observation, we'll put that uh, one aside on a, on a separate shelf. Number five, women, hyphen. Remove as obstacle. Remove all obstacles to achieving full potential. That sounds like an instruction to women, um, rather than anything else. I, th- I think we can say that that one is still a work in progress. Okay, that goes with the bankers as well. And number six, the vulnerable hyphen. Absolute protection of old, sick, and disabled. Now there have been some issues, haven't there, around healthcare? Finney and McGrath's had a couple of issues because um, this is this is an area which is of particular interest to him, or has been throughout his political. Yeah, career. and. 
you know, F- F- Finian McGrath is, I think, one of the members of the Independent Alliance who knew exactly what he was getting into. Um, you know, as well as being, as I referred to earlier, as well as being a political outsider all his life. Finian has been a campaigner for people with uh, with disabilities. He's often spoken of his own experiences with the Down syndrome daughter. And before he was ever involved in electoral politics, uh, he was involved in, um, in campaigning for and helping people with disabilities. And I think the bargain that Finian made uh, was that he would go into government, he would take the flak take the brickbats, he would risk losing his seat if he ever uh, does uh, stand again in return for achieving things for not just his his own geographical constituency of Dublin Bay North, but for the constituencies which he has sought to represent in the past. Uh, patients with cystic fibrosis has been another uh, issue on which he has con- campaigned constantly, people with disabilities. So what he wants, and he is the cabinet or he sits at cabinet, he's a junior member, uh, junior minister with responsibility for disabilities. That is what he wants to do. And if he can get most or much of what he wanted to achieve... And he's, he certainly has he's had done, some of those. He's, got, he he's w- achieved he some of those. Be, he will be happy. I'm not sure you could say the same for some of the other members of the Independent Alliance. I'm not sure that they really knew what they were getting into. I think... Uh, you know, I think John Halligan might have questioned that himself sometimes. I think it was certainly the case with uh, with Shane Ross, who spent a lot of his early time in, uh, in, in Cabinet. It seems to us, looking in from the outside, slightly unsure of what he was going to do or what he wanted to do. And some of his, uh, not all, but certainly, but some of his signature reforms and our signature causes within government, such as the appointment of judges, have nothing whatsoever got to do with his brief as Minister. Well, Do they seem to be making it up as they go along then? I think of something like we have a clip here now of John Halligan who is responding to a question about Ireland's vote in relation to putting Saudi Arabia on a UN committee. Yeah, I, I'll, take that, I'll take that if you wish. Yeah, yeah, it would be essential for me that uh, Saudi Arabia and other countries at, very, at the very least sign up to the UN Convention on Human Rights and I think it would be remiss of any of us uh, not to condemn any country that would violate women's rights and stand as strong as we can against them. Would you like to know if you're going to vote in favour of the nomination? I would. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be preferable if we, yeah. in the interest of transparency, that. Well, I haven't, dis- I haven't discussed it with anybody, but that's my instinct, certainly. I've no doubt it'll come up uh, at next week's Cabinet meeting. Absolutely, I'd say there, there is uh, different views within the Cabinet, and I've no doubt it'll come up next Tuesday. So there you go, Finney McGrath, Shane Ross, John Halligan. They're kind of figuring out what they think in response to that question about this um, this UN vote. In the public light of day, uh, in, with the microphones in front of them, there's something charming about that. Well, there's something kind of alluringly naive as well uh, about it. And of course, it's great uh, a great gift to journalists, you know, who are used to, you know, pre-approved lines out of government ministers and so forth, you know. And to be honest, I think that the advent of the independent alliance in government has brought a new transparency into much of what government, uh, much of what government does. It has made the work of government harder. Maybe that's uh, no bad thing in some respects. But the 
corollary of that is that it has made the work of government slower. It has made the reaching of decisions much more difficult. I'm not sure that has necessarily led to better decisions, but it certainly has led to fewer decisions. If you were, uh, you know, a far-right libertarian who believed, you know, that the less government, the better, then you would like uh, the independent alliance's impact on government and you would like the fact that government cannot impose its will uh, on parliament. But actually... That's a fairly niche political view in this country, uh, I think. One interesting thing to look to in the future will be how this impacts on independent alliance TDs uh, electorally. They've always been the outsiders. They've gone into their constituencies into their constituencies and said that they would be, you know, the independent, beholden to no interest. They would say what they think and stand up for their constituents. Now they act just greater greater lesser extent, like a party of government. There is a great, there has been a great constituency, one of the stories of the last two elections about the appeal that the that independents the, the, have. The anti-politics politicians. Uh, precisely. We've discussed it here before. I wonder, will their participation in government damage that appeal, not just for them, but for all other independents? Uh, I suspect it, it will to a certain extent. Uh, we shall see. Pat, thanks for joining us. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to our producer, Declan Conlon. Thanks also to Pat Leahy for joining us today. We'll be back very soon. But until then, remember, you can find us on irishtimes.com slash podcasts. Find me on email at hlinahan at irishtimes.com or you can get me on Twitter. Until the next time, goodbye and thanks for listening. 